0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's Australian Open Finals catch-up. Sinner wins
1: his first slam from two sets down.
0: Sabalenka defends Melbourne title.
2: And Rohan Popana becomes the oldest ever player to secure a major.
0: Him, Chris, today is the 28th of January and we are here to catch up on the finals of the Australian Open at Tennis Weekly HQ. Yannick Sinner secures his first ever grand slam singles title arena sabalenka defends her ao title and rohan bapana becomes the oldest ever player at 43 years young to win a grand slam title a lot of feel-good stories it feels like this weekend
2: so many feel-good stories and we have to say it's not 43 years old it's level 43 Is how he's a <laughs> to himself so like i think we're all over level 30 so we're doing pretty well in that respect
1: we are indeed. Su Wei Shai also doing pretty well at, so I think, level 38. Uh, so, oh, wow. and Yannick Sinner's, well, he's way down at level, I don't know. He's so 22? young, yeah. isn't he? 22.
0: <laughs> level is the new age. And uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be getting on to level 34 in the next couple of months. So uh, yeah, I'm definitely of that mindset as well. But guys, it's a very exciting time at Tennis Weekly HQ this evening because it's actually a part of history because this is our first ever round by round slam recording that is on video
1: might be our last if it doesn't go well guys <laughs> <I know.
0: laughs> at least well, viewers I, unless my must mustache hasn't put you all I
2: off. was going to say at least viewers can finally see the tash that's been talked about mm. so much as well as your background Joel you're representing the podcast with there's a tote bag over your right shoulder
0: and the white tennis weekly baseball cap which is oh, on wow. on on the other side so uh, yeah, it's, arranged it's it's almost kind of like the most it's like the easiest it's like the tennis weekly equivalent of Where's Wally? It's a bit uh, like QVC,
2: maybe. QVC, yeah. (laughs) QVC, wow. You can dial this number to purchase something. There's nothing to purchase on mine. I've I've gone for Scandi Minimalism. (laughs) And actually, I'm not wearing We don't exactly do
1: subtle marketing, do we? No, we don't.
2: No, never. You have got a tennis cap. Uh, I like
1: like your cap, uh, Chris. It says the cool stands. The cool stands. Very very novel. If you
2: do like it and you do come and watch us on YouTube where this episode will be, um, if you like the cap, then we can actually maybe make it in the next merch drop. Um, this was Alina, our producer's wonderful uh, idea for the call cool stands. Um, but I guess that doesn't happen that much anymore. It's a bit of a relic in case, you know, challenges and ele- electronic line calling will do mm. away with it.
0: Well, we've got the video up and running. And also it's going to be historic because we're going to be doing a Vegemite taste test at we the are. end of this episode so everyone hold up your jars of Vegemite we get the, here we go the, here we go We're I'm ready nervous for the a lot tomorrow. of ready. a lot of history a spoon is I mean, ready sorry, a lot, of, a lot also... of stories already to just get three jars of Vegemite it feels like well in
2: Copenhagen <laughs> that was a real challenge I had to go to the, the mega candy store it was called but I'm enjoying a hot Vegemite now that's exactly what I'm doing
1: I love how Vegemite's candy over there I don't I don't know, know, I any know. i'm still
0: trying to understand that but yeah we're going to be taking a spoonful of vegemite to end our ao coverage at the end of the episode so stay tuned for that but kim we've got to we've got to talk the tennis now don't we
1: yeah it isn't the vegemite weekly podcast <laughs> no. sadly, uh, sadly I'd love it. Some. Uh, <laughs> we do have a lot of tennis to talk about uh namely yannick sinner winning his very first grand slam title not just in you know standard routine fashion but from two sets down, I thought I thought when Medvedev kind of clinched that second set today, I thought, oh, poor Sinner. You know, he's done really well beating Djokovic, got to the final. But, you know, he's just that, that that bit too nervy, hasn't quite managed to assert himself. And good on Daniel Medvedev. You know, he's come all this way through, fought his battles. And here he is finally getting the title at last. But I was very wrong to assume that because it all went uh, the other way around in the end, didn't it? Joel
2: I knew Kim I knew as well remember my prediction I'm gonna get in early and make that clear I was
0: never in doubt at two sets down you can definitely have the smug hat on with being the only person to with predict a hat on. Yannick Sinner. <laughs> yeah predicting Yannick Sinner to win because yeah it was an incredible incredible effort wasn't it from from two sets down it was almost kind of a a match of two halves and it's it sort of left me in this position of as much as I'm really happy for, for Yannick Sinner winning his his first grand slam title and the, the momentum and the waves that he's he's been on, certainly over the last six months or so, I'm also devastated for for Daniel Medvedev mm. at the same time. I mean, two Australian Open finals he has now been in when he's been leading two sets up. This match, Rafael Nadal as well. And he's lost both of them. It is very, very gutting, isn't it? Well,
2: Kim's not too gutted with the Nadal result, though, are you? <laughs> well,
1: no, I wasn't gutted for him then. No offence, uh, Med- Medvedev. But yeah, he's the first player to have lost two Grand Slam singles finals from two sets up in the open era, uh, which is not a great wow. record you want to have. Uh, but I mean, maybe that's better than him getting like obliterated in all of them. At least he had his chances. But then, you know, you end up dwelling and ruining on them way more, don't you? Uh, but he said, you know, he's going to try to be a bit more positive in how he reacts to this. Because I think last uh, the last time round, you know, two years ago against Rafa, he said he, he had a terrible season afterwards. And it, I think it just really set the, the tone for the rest of the year. So I think he's learned from how he handled it the last time. So at least, you know, hopefully we'll see him not let it get to him. Um, and he's going to sort of take the positives on the situation at the very least.
2: Yeah, I think he, he has to, because he did so well to make it this far. He's played so much tennis. I think there were some of those the stats that came out, he spent 24 hours of the last two weeks on court, which is kind of crazy when you think about it in terms of how long he was playing those matches. And I think it was the record for most sets played um, in a Grand Slam by a single player in the Open Era, at 31 um, sets of tennis. So, I mean, it's probably all the more heartbreaking given just how much he put into this and just how much he kind of had turned around that Zverev match to get the win to get up and really have opportunities to potentially take it in three. Um, it's got, it's got a sting, especially when you're that tired from all of that exertion um, to keep kind of a very positive frame of mind, like he did do and impress There's reports that he was much more upbeat than you would think. Um, It just is a testament to his character because I don't think he does have a mentality issue. I think really, He maybe had a tactical issue is what I'd say, where he was playing very kind of far up the court compared to some of his previous matches and very aggressive tennis in those first two sets of tennis. And and as soon as he kind of backed off a little bit, Sinner was allowed to step in. And then I think that's when it really changed, because if you let Sinner have a swing, then you're going to be doing an awful lot of running. And when you've been running for 24 hours, you might you might not be able to make it through that final set.
1: Why do you think he backed off? Because it was clearly a tactic that was working really well in those first two sets. You, know, He came out super aggressive and just, you know, by far the better player. Sinner wasn't really able to play his game. And I just thought, yes, Medvedev's got it so right. And then, you know, why, why did he kind of back off? Was, was it complacency? Was it nerves?
2: I think the serve was working a lot better in the first couple of sets. Um, I think he was winning around 87%... Um... Of points behind it, and he had over 80% of first serves in, I believe. So that really does help you get up the court immediately. Um, And when you get into some of the more difficult stages of the matches, then sometimes the serve goes, and sometimes you do start to back off and you do start to hope that your opponent misses more than you play aggressively. And he's not naturally an aggressive baseliner, that's not necessarily how we would describe. He so wants he to was, stay
0: as far back behind the court as possible.
2: I mean, if he could extend it further backwards, he would be <laughs> yeah. in the stands happily. Um, so I think it's just he was playing outside of his normal game plan and you have to be really, really strict with yourself um, and really believe that it's going to work and maybe he kind of defaulted to maybe the factory Medvedev setting rather than it kind of be a, a backing off and, in, a, in a bigger sense. But I mean, it was a great tactic. It's a shame that it didn't kind of deliver the whole way through the match.
0: I I also think, you know, as you said, the amount of hours that he spent on court. So I think it was on court, it was six hours more than Yannick Sinner had been on court to get to get to the final. And again, the longer that match went on, it just showed and you sort of felt that Daniel Medvedev, he needed to get that done in three because the longer and longer it was going to drag out, the more and more that that balance of power was going to shift towards Yannick Sinner. And I do think that was, I think that was plain to see. But also when you did get to the start of that fourth set, you were also thinking about the the history and that Nadal match. And you wondered, was that creeping in into his mind as well? Because he's been here before and, you know, seemingly had the the championship on his racket and he's let it slip. And he's he's now, yeah, unfortunately he's now done that again.
1: I mean, I, I, it can't not have crossed his mind. Mm-hmm. You know, we, it crossed all of our minds. So it, it's, it's absolutely got to have played. I think some, some factor. But I mean, full credit to Yannick Sinner because he turned it around. Like he's definitely proven his, 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 his worth at <laughs> this slam because he's come through comfortably in, in pretty much all his matches. He's knocked out the defending champion, the world number one, the ten-time champion. And then when his, you know, he was up against it, two sets down, he's really proven himself today because you know he's managed to win you know from all kind of positions and just you know obviously as the match went on he was by far the fresher which definitely helped physically but joel what was it that sinner did to change his his tactics his mind his mindset to get back in to the match today what, what was the kind of critical thing that you think turned it around for him well i think first
0: of all those first two sets it almost felt like he was he was playing with nerves and he was playing with knowing that there was a lot of expectation on him. It was his first final as well. Yeah, first final. The fact that he had defeated Novak Djokovic, you know, the king of, of Rodley Rena in in the semifinals as well. I wondered if that was like putting huge kind of pressure on him. And as a result, it didn't really help you know, his his play on the court because he was making some very uncharacteristic errors on the baseline, baseline exchanges with Medvedev. And um, I think in terms of changing it around, I think, you know, in that third set, his mentality was just like, I need to go out. I don't want to die wandering. I don't want to go out on the court and not having produced, you know, some of my best tennis. And maybe he sensed, you know, with Medvedev, um, you know, speaking to his his team as well, it was kind of like, look, the more I can push this guy, the more I, lo- the longer I can put him on the tennis court, that is going to favor me. So I wondered if he was kind of like, well, actually, let's, let's make him really, really work for this because I haven't made him work for these first two sets. Let's make sure I make him work for it in that third set, which is what he did. And uh, that was, for me, how he got back into the match.
2: You have to hang in there, don't you, and hope that mm. Medvedev can't keep that level up. And I think uh, one of his coaches said, that at 5-1 in that second set when um, Sinner then broke back, I think that's when Sinner's belief really changed because um, he got that break that he needed and that momentum started to shift a bit. And I think that's probably, if you are a great player and you do hang in there, you know that you get opportunities. Um, but the I mean, for me, the big difference is the Sinner that we saw last year... I mean, I, I can't believe someone sent me kind of the Altmaier score at like five hours and, you know, and it's unbelievable that he would go from sort of that level of tennis where he could almost lose to any, anybody if it started to go off the boil and it wasn't going his way and the unforced errors would really be leaking to today where it's almost like he had this sort of like quiet inner confidence that he still believed he could do it and you look at some of the matches he's played at Grand Slams I mean, last year, fourth round of the US Open, he lost to Zverev and I had just got some of these numbers up because I thought it would be quite interesting to see and he hit 50 winners and 67 unforced errors um, and seven double faults in that match. And so you can just see that there's definitely a case that in these pressure moments, he's coming up with the goods much more. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest change because we've always known he had the game. Um, and you just don't know if on the day you're able to play, as you say, play your best game, but it's best of five, thank goodness. So he was able to get through in the end.
1: And he's brought Darren Cahill into the fold, uh, you know, recently. Would you think that's been quite a pivotal factor? Do you Do you think that's made the difference into how he's been playing, you know, over the last kind of six months or so? I mean, not forgetting the only person he has lost to in this period is was Novak Djokovic and everyone else. He's he's won. You know, he's won 20 of his past 21 matches. And that includes, you know, against lots of top five opponents. He hasn't been playing, you know, journeymen of the tour. He's been right up there delivering against the very best so do you think you know darren cahill was bringing him in is is that kind of like being the ultimate factor here
0: i mean he is a top class coach he's he knows how to he he knows how to develop players coach a winner Yeah. yeah into grand slam winners uh i think i was reading earlier every player he has now coached has won a grand slam title so he's obviously got the he's obviously got the recipe down and you've got someone like yannick sinner a player you know, you say we we've, we've been impressed with him. He's such an interesting guy. And I think he's always willing to learn and he's always open to hearing, you know, advice from from his team and from everyone around him. So I do think it takes it takes both of them, but certainly having someone with the expertise of, of Dan Cahill, it's gonna help. And the right team, I think that's
2: also true. we should definitely make it clear that he does have um other coaches as well. Like he does have um Vagnosi as someone else that he works with and Uh, they've been working together for a long period of time. So he has this sort of Italian setup and Cahill's kind of been the perfect addition to it, I think, in terms of some of that sort of, maybe, as you say, experience of kind of creating champions. And that really has let him kind of grow much more. And I think sometimes you just get that partnership where it really gels. And it's clear that this is a really positive one. And he's just come on so much in that period, which I don't think I've seen another player, bar kind of Alcaraz, kind of make these sort of leaps and changes in kind of mentality to step up and
0: and kind of really kind of cement their spot at the top of the game. I mean, it's quite interesting now because players born in the 2000s um, have now surpassed players born in the 1990s in terms of the number of slams that they have won because players who've born in the 2000s, with Yannick Sinner, that was their third slam, Carlos Alcaraz as well. Uh Whereas 1990s, it's just Daniel Medvedev uh, with that US Open title and Dominic Thiem, what do you make of that? The fact that the 1990s players, you know, they they were playing all those 1980s players: Federer, Nadal, Murray, uh, Djokovic, and they just they're just now, you know, they've just now been jumped by the the young guys, uh, you know, who've been who born much later than them.
1: I think it's just um not luck of the draw. I'm not I'm not trying to take anything away luck from of the
0: genes,
2: generation, luck of the
1: luck of the generations. Yeah, because only I mean, if you are a 90s player, you know, you were playing. That much longer with the Federer and the the Nadals, the Djokovic's. So I think it's it's just a, a factor of timing, really. Um, it's, it's it's obviously that they, they they can now maybe learn from these younger generation. You know, it's not too late for the Zverevs, the six passes. You know, Medvedev does have one Slam. level twenty eight. It's
0: fine. They've got time. Has a
1: bad record in finals. You know, one one, lost five. Now, um,
0: do you think do you think the two thousands players are going to pull away from the nineteen nineties? I think so. I, I would really imagine do.
1: so. I keep thinking of the Wimbledon poster, you know, Alcaraz and Sinner as the, the next knew. big thing. It's like their 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 prophecy was was this. Although I, I have seen on social media and I guess in a lot of the press, you know, they're now heralding Sinner as, you know, obviously the next best thing, the Sinner era. That was kind of said when Alcaraz won Wimbledon um, and we've seen how he struggled since Hasn't then. Hasn't won so, a
2: title since, yeah.
1: How do you think Sinner's going to, react and and handle this kind of newfound success and and expectation?
2: I mean, I would say based on the fact that he has had so much good form, that it would be really surprising to me if this does drop off, because he talks about the fact that he is trying to get better every day. And this very much it was when he was kind of speaking, he was so level headed. He's just done his ultimate dream, his ultimate goal of winning a slam. You know, he's saying, right, I'm just going to try and get better each match as it comes sort of thing. And I just think that's so impressive. He's almost already, I think Darren Cahill said that he's already looking at like what he can do next. Like he's never going to settle, I think was the quote. And you feel like with that sort of attitude, I think Alcaraz has that too. Um, you're going to keep chasing these. And I think especially with the Masters series that he got at um, end of last year and then having a great start to this season, obviously the Davis Cup. I think things are building really nicely and I think maybe it will be a bit better this happening at 22 as opposed to like at 18 and completely out of the blue like a Raducanu type or I just think it sets you up because you've had more experience on the tour, more matches at this level and you're more able to handle the pressure and the expectation that comes with it.
1: Is he going to win another slam this year?
2: I, ah. I want to I get you
1: right now. I want to get your okay. predictions. Do you think he's going to win another slam this year?
2: I'm going to say yes. Which one? I can see... I can see Wimbledon. He's very good on clay though. He's underrated on clay, but I can see a Wimbledon one because he had that great semi-final where he was two sets up against Djokovic. I remember. Um, And I think that that's got to be the goal for him. He has some unfinished business on center court Um, and the U S open. I'm not sure it's the best court for his game style. That would be my only sort of question.
0: I I could, I could see him winning Wimbledon. I was also going to ask, could he be world number one this season, Ooh. you know, seems to have Novak Djokovic's number. Seems to yeah. have stolen the thunder from Carlos Alcaraz as well. Could you? Could we see Yannick Sinner go? That's the question the for top Kim. Of the tree? Fire back at her, Joel.
2: Will he be number oh, one? What do you think, is this is how it
1: works? Uh, I need to look at the, the actual points differences. uh He's got a lot of points to defend at the very end of the season, but not, I guess, as many prior to then. So yeah, I think number one would be would be realistic. I think he's going to be quite consistent. I can't see him having. A big drop off obviously barring injury and anything untoward like that not sure about another slam though but I think he will uh at least you know make maybe another slam final whether he'll get the better of Djokovic again in a slam this year I don't don't know I'm just I am envisaging a Djokovic Djokovic loves
2: a revenge doesn't he battle we we do seem to
0: go we do seem to go through this Djokovic cycle of of him having some dominance then he has a defeat then we write him off. Then he comes back. Three and, more majors uh, in a year. And he yeah. wins like, yeah, exactly. exactly. So yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's certainly, you know, there's there's certainly a lot of new stories to tell, I think, to come, you know, later in the season. I do find it funny though, you know, it's interesting you talked about the, you know, the Sinner progression, particularly over the last six months, because I did, I was reading like, you know, the first half of last season, I don't think he had won a tournament over a 500 level or or above. And uh, it, it all sort of started when, a little bit like Jack Draper, he vomited into a bin, didn't he? In in Beijing, oh, wow. I believe. Yeah. and uh, it all start. it's all started from that moment.
2: That can't be our Next new prophecy. time. I vomit. Yeah. I'm
1: going to think of <laughs> the, Sinner. The, the and uh... <laughs> well,
2: this
0: is, is the it beginning gonna be the of same something, for Jack great Draper. Him. Yeah, vom- yeah. All the all the greats. They go through the. They go through this moment. It's the the vomit in the bin. I need to stop saying vomit in the bin, don't I? You you do bring it up yeah. a lot,
2: um, <laughs> and I'm glad that maybe there's not like a visual um, aspect to that because yeah. I think. I think it, I mean, that was in Beijing. So that was probably where some of the success did really start in many ways. But again, it shows resilience, right? If we're going to spin it into something else um, and kind of getting into kind of the the fitness you need to be in. Um, Whereas like with Jack Draper, there's been those fitness concerns too. I think Mm. with Yannick Sinner, it was the same. Um, There were questions about his back. He changed his service action. Was he able to go five sets? And I think that's a big part of developing. And I think there will be, you know, bumps along the way, or in this case, um, you know, a bin that might make for an unfortunate moment on court, but it's definitely it seems to be like <laughs> almost like a rite of passage at this point.
1: I mean, he does become the fifth Italian player to, vomit to ever in a, won a Grand no. Slam title. <laughs> no, <laughs> no <sorry. laughs> I'm Key not stats. keeping tally oh, on, on oh, We're that, moving on. Yeah. We're
2: moving on for the best. I was
1: moving away from vomit in case anyone's eating their dinner whilst listening to us. Um. Uh, yeah, so fifth Italian player, singles player, I should say, specified to win a Grand Slam title. Can you guys name the other four?
2: Well, Panetta is the only one I definitely know.
1: Flavia Panetta, oh, yeah, you
0: uh, definitely. I can do double
1: yeah, twenty ten Roland Garros. Is it singles?
0: Because I was going to say Bellelli in the doubles. Okay, um, but has Bellelli won it?
1: He might have. Actually, I don't know if he has. Maybe I, I just he's made that up. been to some
2: finals with. Okay. I, well, I I don't won't say you're definitely wrong, but I don't think you're right. Um,
1: There's two oh, men who did it a long time ago. A court we, has been named made, after
2: them, right? Yes. At, in Rome. Beatrice um, uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> that was Roland Garros, 59 and 60, okay. 90, 60. Okay. And the last one, Adriano Panetta, uh in okay. 76, Roland Garros. So Sinner joins this illustrious group, uh, third male uh, ever to win a Grand Slam. The only person to win the Australian Open, though, the only Italian singles mm. player to ever win the AO. Wow. Well,
0: I was going to say, with Daniel Medvedev, the fact that he's become so close on, on two occasions and has ended up as the runner-up um, now at, at two Australian Opens, there's been some comparisons with the fact that Andy Murray has got five uh, runner-up plates in his uh, his trophy cabinet. I mean, what whose position would you rather be in, in terms of, like? I feel like Medvedev's, defeats in finals have been more painful whereas you know although Murray's got the numbers that I feel like is obviously a bit is a bit long bit more than than Medvedev what whose position would you rather be in do you think
2: I would probably say I think Medvedev's a tougher because he has been up um and he has had yeah. chances whereas I mean actually having said that it was some of the losses for against Djokovic were devastating for Murray and he played so well yeah and it just wasn't enough so it's kind of much of the same, but I think maybe it's results like this where it really could have been on his racket, which will be more painful than a lot of losses um, Murray has in comparison. But I mean, it's it's such a shame, isn't it? When you have to have kind of winners and losers in these situations, because mm. I think we were, everyone watching that final, I, we knew that someone was going to lose it, but if it was Medvedev, we're almost extra kind of devastated for him because of how much effort has gone in. And then to be, you know, if, if he had played 30 sets, maybe he would have done it as opposed to 31. So um, I would say if you pushed me, I would probably say I'd rather I'd rather be Murray just because I think he's a bit of a legend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wanted both of them to win today. I think, you know, when I saw how well Medvedev came out of the blocks, I thought, oh, he's really fought his way through the whole tournament. And wow, you know, what a way to kind of then assert yourself in the final. Uh, it's just... Can't win either way.
0: It did feel rather fitting, I think, that we had a five-set a five match in, in the men's final, wasn't it? Because we've just had so many the most this ever. tournament. The most ever, exactly. And uh, there was only really one way uh, it could have finished.
2: And it had to be two sets down, right? Because Medvedev had been two sets down twice before in this mm. tournament. Um, I've, I've never seen this. So this is a question I probably have for both of you. We've seen so many long matches that have been into the four-hour mark do we think that it, there needs to be a change? Or we've got to go to three sets or we've got to find a way to speed it up. Is it the ball or what can we do? Because it's, I mean, I'm scheduling nightmare and also it's brutal and you can be, I mean, it's amazing Medvedev was able to stand at the end of this, but you can be scheduled and kind of out of the tournament if you have a long match.
0: Yeah, I keep thinking about the fact that you know, Daniel Medvedev last year was talking about like they're only going to change the rules if someone literally dies on on the tennis court. Mm. And uh, the more and more I see, of, it was going to be him. Is that what he's saying? <laughs> yeah, I know. He's and more proving The more it, yeah. I see of these exertions, I'm kind of like, we are getting like, scarily, it's like an ultra not a tennis match anymore. Point. Yeah, I- exactly. And it's 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 unbelievable how much effort and a number of hours potentially you could put on a tennis court um you know to to win a to win a title personally i think they should be looking at ways to speed up best of 5 as opposed to cutting down to to best of 3 i think there are things they can do potentially with the the balls and maybe the surface i think it has been too slow th- this year and maybe there's also opportunities to cut down times uh... deciding point yeah exactly maybe there are ways mm. to do that but i think they should be looking to protect best of 5 at all costs because of the because of the entertainment it provides. It would be and, a different sport, wouldn't it? And, the, separa- and it. the separation and the distinctiveness it has to, to Grand Slams.
1: Yeah. Well, one player who certainly hasn't had any trouble getting a Grand Slam of late is uh, Shei Su Wei, because she has won the Women's Doubles title with Elise Mertens. Six, one, seven, five it was today over Kitchennook and Ostapenko, who were playing their very first slam final, uh, but Chasey way, she is one of three of the last four slams uh, this in the in the past year with three different partners as well, so Incredible. and she's also got the yeah. mixed doubles this tournament, so she's had a perfect Australian open, and she's just in this absolutely fantastic. Patch in, her, in her career you know aged 38 level 38 uh this is actually well she's the second oldest woman to win a grand slam women's doubles title after uh lisa raymond who was only eight days older um than than Shea today but yeah what a fantastic um period for for her and and also mertens who we know is an absolutely fantastic uh doubles player um but yeah i don't know if either of you have any comments on what we're seeing from Shea on on a doubles court these days
2: i mean i think she's always been such a great player to watch and i think it's great having her in these matches because she has so much variety in her game um i do think and we didn't talk about it at the time but she was denied a singles wild card she was allowed to play qualifying and then she goes and wins two of the titles on offer and you feel like well maybe she should have been given a wild card to play in the singles because that was her final singles match um, of her career but you have to say with the focus on doubles and being able to put it together with all these different partners she clearly is the person who is the best doubles player in the world, whoever she plays with, it seems like, and it seems like her game is so great at complementing other people's games as well. So, um, I think Lisa Raymond, she might not have that title much longer because in eight days, um, I think we'll have kind of Shazie way will definitely be right up there and looking to add even more silverware to her cabinet.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's, she's had her own comeback. Hasn't she, in terms of getting back onto, into the double scene and, uh, it's almost been the comeback of comebacks given that the titles that she's won, doing it as well with different partners across the ladies' doubles and the mixed doubles. Um, I sometimes think she doesn't get the the credit she deserves because this this is seriously impressive stuff.
1: How is she it's not her world first number one? Though? Slam.
2: Oh, is it the first hardcore?
1: Yeah, she's only had uh she's well, only, <laughs> only had grass and clay uh slams previously to this. But she's um the yeah, for Wimbledon's Two Roland Garros and now one Australian Open. So she just needs to get that US Open, mm. which uh, hopefully she'll be able to do l- later this year. But there was a bit of an awkward moment uh, after the match, after the ce- the ceremony. Uh, Chris wasn't there. Talk us ta- yeah. ta- through that.
2: <laughs> well, they were doing very well. You know, they did wonderful speeches. It was all very enjoyable. But then they actually left the court and left the trophy there. They didn't take the trophy with them. Oh. <laughs> um, and so Craig Tyler What, to- they didn't like it? Well, I'm I'm not really sure because it's not. I mean, she literally had just one one, so she must have known kind of what you have to do. Too many trophies, not bothered. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So then he had to go chase after them because they forgot the trophy, which I thought was um, it's kind of it's quite a bit of a flex, isn't it? You know, like someone will get it for us, you know, before we go. But you take it to your press (laughs) conference, um, and then I think I'm not sure how long you have it for after that, but. If I was a tournament, I'd be getting a lot of insurance because what
0: if they leave it somewhere? You know, did they did they think they had like you know in the in the Wimbledon final they have someone bring out the the players' bags onto the court? Did they think that they had like a a designated person to kind of bring their trophy off the court? Well, sometimes as as there's a lot to carry,
2: especially when you see yeah. um you know these big checks as well that sometimes they get in mm. tournaments. I always just think it almost looks like they're holding like all of their shopping when they've gone in. They didn't get a basket. Um, as they have to kind of like balance everything leaving the court. And there's lots of people who could help. So I can understand it, but um, it was definitely a surprise that (laughs) they just walked off without it.
1: (laughs) Well, well, well. We're going to take a very short break now, but do join us in the second half where we'll be having a look back at the ladies' final action uh, from Melbourne Park, where Arena Sabalenka successfully defended her ladies' title. Uh, plus, history was made as Rohan Bopanna became the oldest ever major winner. So do not go anywhere.
0: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak,
1: Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly podcast. For listeners watching us uh, live on YouTube, you never went away, hopefully, but we're back.
2: <laughs> you could have paused uh, it if you needed move... a break.
1: Yeah, if you ne- if you need the loo, you need to go, you know, grab a tea. That's fine. Um, steady yourself because we're getting into the ladies' finals action. Arena uh, Sabalenka up against Jin Wenjing. Uh, this was very much uh, not a classic final. Mm. I think you could the opposite say
0: of the men's final. I'm going to go as far mm. as saying.
1: Yeah, six three, six two. just kind of about an hour and 15 on court. Sabalenka, very, very comfortable in the end. Um, Chris, what did she make overall of what we saw on Saturday in the ladies' final?
2: Well, I, I was very pleased, if I'm honest, that it wasn't a case that Sabalenka played the best tennis throughout the whole tournament and then couldn't bring that in the final. I think that was probably the case in the US Open, where she had been the form player going into that, and then she kind of buckled under the pressure a little bit. So I think she's very hard to watch when she's not playing well. And when she's playing well, it's almost not that enjoyable watching sometimes because the other players can't compete with her. Um, And I think that's what happened here where, I mean, obviously kind of Chim Wen-Jang had great kind of results to get here. Um, You know, she's beaten who's in front of her. But as we talked about before, this was an almighty step up from, you know, playing number 53 ranked Katie Boulter as the previous highest ranked player that she had played um coming into this so it did look like and i think joel you did think this could be a bit one-sided and i think i i thought it, it would maybe there'd be a fight back and maybe it would get a bit more tricky as it got closer to the finish line but she accelerated towards it instead right
0: yeah it was it was very easy for sablen but it, it to be honest it just summed up her tournament she she as you say she played the best tennis she won all the sets she played coco goff gave her the the biggest challenge in that in that first set in their semi-final and apart from that it's been it's been quite easy and uh in the early exchanges against jung in the final i mean i was particularly looking at how sabalenka was was returning the jung serve and she was just marmalizing any second serves that came her way jung's first serve is is decent but her percentage wasn't high enough and i felt that the pressure that sabalenka was putting on the jung second serve it meant that she was having to Go for a bit more in that first serve to uh, to make sure that you know she wasn't giving Sabalenka any free points. But um, yeah, it was it was just very easy, I think, in in the end for Sabalenka, which was I think disappointing from a, a fan point of view because we were all kind of excited of you know or were we going to get a very entertaining tussle on our hands or history. And, uh, Ten years since Nalini, also yeah, a bit and, history. And, and actually, it ended in me WhatsApping you both saying. Most disappointing mm. ladies' final since dot dot dot, and what did we come back with? Yeah, I said Shvionte Kenin maybe at the French yeah, Open because yeah. you said it was in the same number of games, wasn't it? as yeah. Shvionte Kenin. I think it was one and four um, at that French Open. Mm. But I which know...
1: actually we have had quite a, good, a number of like really strong ladies' finals, I guess lately. I suppose Von for Jabal that was straight sets. Ooh, wasn't yeah. it, last year yeah, yeah, that's a that, good one. that was yeah. maybe slightly underwhelming, but I think you it's know a vibe, yeah. We were in a position, I think, a few years back where we were getting a lot of very one-sided routes in the final. So actually, you know, we have had some really competitive uh, affairs lately. And this was kind of, you know kind of going back to to the kind of disappointing vein like mm. you said but I mean full credit to Sabalink. she totally deserved this title not dropping a set all fortnight backing up her win last year you know two straight titles she's become the first player to do that since Azarenka uh, did it here in, in 2012 and 2013 so I think you know, for her just to kind of back it up, she's she's kind of proven herself that she's not just a one slam yeah. wonder. Not that any of us really thought that, but I think it's just still to tick that box. It, it gives her a lot of confidence.
0: Yeah, certainly. And I think there's maybe an argument to say that she could have, she should have more, more than 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 two grand Absolutely. slam titles. I mean, regardless yeah. of of winning this 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 slam, and I hope she does kind of kick on. But where do you see kind of Sabalenka and her? number of, of singles grand slams ending up because i would arguably say going into this tournament she has underachieved um at grand slams considering what the last six grand slams she was in she got to you know the semi the semi-final or, or, or better um mm. so she's shown that consistency and to only have you know one grand slam title to show for it up to the this australian open i think um you know there's argument to say that maybe she she should be doing better there
2: I think a bit too much emphasis is being placed on the fact that she has made all these semifinals, because if you look at them individually, against Mukova, for example, arguably she let that one slip. Um, she's had similar things at Wimbledon on Shabur. You were there for that one, Joel, um, I believe, where yeah. that was completely edged out of it. And if she'd made mm. a few more, more balls, it would have been completely different. So mm. she could have actually got herself to the final of all of them last year. And when you look at kind of the fact that she has been consistent, definitely that's an improvement on what she's had previously. But then at the same time, I just keep on watching her when she plays her A game and thinking, how on earth have you not won more? Like, how are you losing to some of these girls on the tour and not from the perspective that they aren't all very good, but she is a standout athlete in terms of what she can do. We've been talking about her for like four years or something in terms of when she will break out. So I would love to see that number get higher Because as I've said, I only really like watching her when she's playing well. But I really hope that if she does get better and keeps improving, but then the rest of the field also kind of up their game as well. Because I think we can't have, you know, every slam going straight sets and very one-sided. So I would want a bit more entertainment on the women's side rather than her dominating it. But I I can see it. And actually, we asked our listeners this and the majority said, they thought she'd pick up two more slams this year is what they said so what well,
0: well, it's, it's it's interesting because on on commentary uh i think joe durie said that you know power is power regardless of of what court surface you put it on and uh, you know she is going to be a threat i think you know for for the rest of the season and and arguably you'd say wimbledon is is the one where you think her power can do the most she's damage she's great on so, grass she's
2: a fantastic yeah. doubles player she's won doubles grand slam titles so you'd think that would be the one that she really wants. Um mm. and maybe that's she did want it too much last Wimbledon and the French Open. I think that has been the case. So this will probably be a big relief, just absolutely brushing everyone's. I aside. mean, the,
0: the way she's conducted herself ac- across the, you know, outside of, of the tennis this last fortnight, you know, she's been fun, she's been relaxed. And I think, you know, certainly with Sabalenka, the more relaxed she is, the better tennis um, you know, that you know, she plays. And and as a result, she was no match you know, for anyone over the last fortnight. But um, I think it's really fun, I think, to see that that personality from her kind of shine out because, you know, you talk about players like you know, Svantec and Osaka, you know, you've got like those more introverted, I guess, kind of personalities. But it's really fun, I think, seeing over like this last fortnight. Actually, at the top of the game, we do also have some i say very extroverted kind of personalities at the, the top of women's tennis and and Irina Sabalenka is almost kind of like she's number one uh in my book 100% extrovert <laughs> <Yeah>. right <laughs> she's not
1: shy is she I mean we've seen in breakpoint she's did been you in both see her when now when she walked off
0: the the, the the court with the trophy and she did like a little dance down the, uh, the catwalk like the... yeah, yeah she so loved her.
2: it she's definitely got main character hmm. energy doesn't she and I think it's a bit different from Yannick Sinner who's very kind of unassuming in those moments whereas Sabalenka's Jesus spinning like, around twirling. I love twirling. It. I'm just going
0: to flaunt my you trophy. You can't believe that she's just oh, like... No.
2: It's so different <laughs> to like the... the I think mean, Coco Goff went live on Instagram on Arthur Ashe with the trophy. The way that people celebrate now is so different than <laughs> yeah, they used to be. Yeah, getting more
1: radical. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there have only been four other players this century, uh, female players, to have won uh, a slam without dropping a sec. Can you guys tell me and viewers
0: i and definitely listeners. know serena people... must have done it serena must
1: have yeah. done, I done serena it serena williams is right up there ao
2: 2008 sharapova did it for sure i remember that that was mm. when she just i mean she, she bageled justine and in the quarterfinal and then six love six four that was and then took out anna Ivanovic. that was a very painful slam for me because that was the hanchikova semi-final <laughs> where she won the oh, first eight sorry, games Chris. i know and then traumatic. she lost. I yeah. like old
0: wounds, Kim, with these stats.
2: I know. I know. Well, Looking you've back, got two of them. Who else? You've got
1: Sharapova and Serena. There's two more.
2: I don't um, know. I don't know either.
1: Ash Barty in 2022. Because oh, the Collins yes. fight,
2: that
0: was 7-6. She didn't go to three. That yeah. was when she realised she had completed tennis and was like, right, I can step away. That's now. when she
1: retired, right? Hopefully after, Sabalenka almost. doesn't retire now. <laughs> I know, I hope yeah. not. Um, and Lindsay Davenport in 2000. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. So... That's, yeah, so so Sabalenka is now uh, in that illustrious group. Uh, I can totally see her winning Wimbledon US this year. Maybe not so much the French, but I think the Longer others points, are yeah. definitely mm. within her grasp. And I, I see one day her potentially winning the French, just maybe not so far this year. But as for Jeung, where where do you think she goes from here? You know, experience now, having been in a first Grand Slam final, in the top 10 in the, in the rankings... Where are you predicting her to go for the rest of the year, mm. Chris?
2: Well, I would say on that on that point, I saw the the stats about uh, Medvedev and losing these finals, and uh, I think uh, Ben Rothenberg actually did a tweet around the fact that you know Zverev had lost from two sets up, Sitsapas Pass in the his in his Grand Slam final against Djokovic at the French was two sets up again, um, and then Medvedev obviously has had this twice, and it's the idea that not all experience is necessarily good experience. And actually it can affect you when you play in these stages again. So I'm really hoping that this is one where um, she didn't do herself a disservice at all in this final. And I hope that she doesn't take anything negative from it. And it's actually just going to set her up so that when she does get to the next, uh, the situation next, she said there wasn't really nerves, but that she is able to kind of build on what she's done, because sometimes you can see this being a, not always the most positive experience when you have basically just been kind of annihilated, in a Grand Slam final and you kind of still have that feeling of wanting to prove yourself at the stage again. So I hope she makes another deep run. Um, She had uh, a great run at the end of last season. She's got a great relationship with her coach. It seems like things are all kind of working nicely together. So I can see her kind of pushing further up in the top 10. I think she could be top five end of year, potentially. Really?
1: really? A oh, bold
2: prediction.
0: I, I, I still think kind of the, the, I, this, I, final showed, this final showed to me that there's a clear difference between kind of top four and maybe, you know, I f- mean, no like one five took a to ten in the world.
2: You know, Coco didn't take a set.
1: <sighs> what would you sure. think, Kim?
2: D- uh, Deciding I mean, Coco us. got
1: closer. Did, Coco yeah. got closer. I'd like to see more of showing against the higher echelons consistently because, like, I think what Joel was getting at, she, Sabalenka was the only you know, highly ranked player she faced. Mm. this. Well, she's number seven so... in the
2: world already, by the way. So
1: we haven't she's seen She's far of but... off number five.
2: No.
0: Yeah, no, that's she true. won't have
1: many yeah. points, I guess, to defend from the, the earlier start of this year, I would assume, you know. She so did really she well at the deep end deep at, of our season, yeah. If she goes deep at the Sunshine Double, that's, some, you know, advances in the ranking. So I'd be curious to see what she does. Uh, I think she she's going to go up. I can't see her... You know, um, going way back down again. Uh, she's definitely going to be learning and progressing. She's still so young; she's only twenty-one. So I think we'll see her at the deeper stages of a slam again. I'm not sure if she'll make another final like this year, but yeah, certainly one to to watch. Now, now we've all seen much more of her game.
0: The only thing I would say about this this lady's tournament is I don't feel like we got truly a lot of really entertaining, big, big head-to-head type matchups. I think we had a lot of good we matches eager. between
2: eager, and Rab- yeah. Rabakina going and out Rabakina. early. Yeah, yeah. We
0: had good like big, like big players versus underdogs. You know, I think about to you know Rabakina versus and Blinkova and as well. Yeah, I- exactly. Yeah. But we didn't get like a lot of like as much as we kind of talked up. I think the kind of the new big four of the WTA and all that, and Kradzikawa. it looked promising <laughs> so early on, and in in the first week of the tour, it didn't didn't really feel like it, it went through. And yes, we got Sabalenka goth, but. It's sort of that first set particularly, it sort of left me being like, Oh, I just wish we had a lot more of that because we've had a lot of sort of surprising kind of matchups, I think, that um has been interesting and intriguing seeing at a grand slam stage, but I'm still a little bit like, Oh, I would have loved to have seen Rebecca and Ursh, Fiontek go deeper than they did. Yeah, and I think it
2: it gives like a better narrative of seeing who wins in the big ticket match as opposed to uh, mm. will someone miss their opportunity to a lower-ranked player. It's like, so it's-
0: harsh. Yeah. I know. That's it's those sort of matchups. I feel like, like there is so much for the 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 heavy, heavy, heavy favorite to to lose here. Not really much to gain because everyone is like expecting, right, you should absolutely walk this. And it's like, I wanna see I was sort of like hoping for more matchups where it was a little bit more on a knife edge and you couldn't really call it or, or you know look at it on a piece of paper and be like right well this person is the firm favorite and should be expected to make the next round There are almost too many especially... underdogs as
2: well you know yeah Which story to be focus on your Stramski did amazingly but there wasn't that much coverage because there were other stories at work as well i don't know it's it's tricky kim what, what were you gonna say
1: oh well i was just gonna say i think because Rebecca you know, absolutely thrashed sabalenka in brisbane i would have loved to have seen them to meet again yeah to see Love what and would have three. This that tour. was
2: wild yeah.
1: I mean, you would, you know, you might have thought differently about Sabalenka, uh, you know, in the latter stages of this tournament if Rabakina was still in the game as well, based on that Brisbane final. But I think, you know, that was obviously a bit of an anom- anomalous result in-, in terms of the scoreline for Sabalenka. Um, but I mean, I think for me, the highlight from the women's tournament in terms of like competitiveness and drama was that blink of a Rabakina mm. tiebreaker. You <laughs> loved you it, think Joel. That could be beaten. Mm. That was I think it the incredible. Ladies, it
0: peaked. I think the ladies' tournament, you know, peaked there. That and... was the final we deserved. <laughs> it... <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> it. I'm a little bit gutted for Svitolina because I, I, I do wonder. I do wonder where she was going to go if she, if she. I had think she could have because... made the final.
2: I really mm. do think she could have. Yeah. Um. And that is kind of the problem when you have some of these big big names go out, and anything can happen at any time, and you know brings you back to the injury point that Med- Medvedev made, where there is an awful lot of tennis being played in very hot conditions and there's not really an an off-season either. So it does lend itself to kind of, unfortunately, some of these players going out um, earlier. But on that point, Kim, of that Brisbane final, do you think that having such, um, what you would say, I wouldn't say it's a disappointing result, but a result that isn't reflective of Sabalenka's abilities against Rabakina in the start of the season, do you think that really made her up her game coming into this tournament? Because it almost, like, she's just gone to like stratospheric in terms of how hard he's in the ball and how well she's playing.
1: I think having a disappointing defeat like that prior to her grandson can really actually help. Uh, I think a back reality to, check. was it Sophia Kennan getting like double bageled by Azarenka before in she Rome. made the French Open yeah. final? Yeah. 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 And I think actually sometimes we do see, uh, and you kind of then go into the tournament, perhaps people don't have as, as high an expectation mm. Because they've seen, oh, you know, that's a bit of a worrying result there, worrying scoreline, and or yeah, and also it makes you kind of focus and concentrate. You think, right, I, I I've got to do something, I've got to um, make some changes here quickly. Um, so yeah, I think it, you know, that's the positive that you can take from that. And you know, Sabalenka's got the better deal in the end, winning the AO over the Brisbane title. A bit like no if it's video.
2: If this video episode doesn't do too well, it's a reality check that maybe we shouldn't do video. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well, we'll see, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, well done, Arena Sabalenka. You know, you absolutely deserved champion. I think ultimately the two singles champions we've got are the two that we've seen the mm. best tennis from consistently across the fortnight, and I think overall they're the, the, the fair result at the end of the fortnight. Um, another, I would say, very pleasing result comes from the men's doubles, and that's Rohan Bapana. Uh, winning with Matthew Ebden to get uh, the Aussie Open title. Uh, funnily enough, you mentioned Balelli earlier and uh, he actually lost in the final. Uh, talking about Italian doubles players, um, Balelli and Vavasori, the uh, Italian pair, lost 7-6, 7-5 to Bapana and Ebden. So um, Bapana um, is the new world number one, uh, but he has also won, finally, his very first men's doubles title at a Grand Slam, which... It is crazy. I, I thought yeah. he would, I thought he's. I thought he had won one already. Only he's been mixed. around for so long.
2: Yeah. Only mixed just with Gabby Dabrowski in, in 2017, mm. I believe, at the mm-hmm. French. Yeah. Um, I was tearing up watching this. I just, he's, we, I've spoken to him a couple of times last year. He is the nicest man I've ever spoken to at any of these tournaments. We've I'm not saying that other people aren't nice, but he's above and beyond nice. So generous, so open, so, so kind. And I think that's something that makes this so much more, um, engaging because it couldn't happen to a nicer guy it's an unbelievable story and at this stage of his career he said that he was actually thinking about hanging up his racket when he didn't win a match for five months fast forward this amazing partnership where they seem to be playing fantastic tennis himself and Ebden. and it's clear they love each other's company and they're just really enjoying themselves out there and the results are coming so i mean what is happening in the world that you know we've seen all these players who are a little bit more mature having this these fantastic results I mean, he says he does a lot of yoga. I do some yoga, but I don't think I'm about to pick up an Australian Open title anytime soon. Yes. Yeah, I want to
1: go to the yoga class he's attending. <laughs> yeah, I have to say.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's an incredible achievement, and it just shows that tennis tennis is a journey. It's got ups and it's got downs, and uh, he's got incredible heart. I think to just kind of keep going, keep going, keep going, seeing where it takes him, and to win to win at this stage of his career, it's it just is so. I think it's it's very inspirational, isn't it? Because it is. You know, it's almost like the you know, the underdog story, and now he's finally got his his moment and um you know I'm really, really, yeah, really, really happy for him.
1: And uh just to cap some other results off, we did have Alfred Hewitt in the wheelchair singles uh for, for Great Britain, of course. He did actually lose to Odo, who's the second seed, so six two, six four. So Alpha Hewitt, not able to get the singles, but uh did win the doubles with with Gordon Reed, I think for their fifth consecutive AO. So um still really, you know, positive tournament for Alfie. Uh, Joel, you'll be pleased as well. Deirdre uh, De Groot won the mm. women's wheelchair singles uh, straight sets. How many uh, in, in a community. row now for her? Is it 16? I think it's 16. Oh, it just goes on and on incredible and on, It's It doesn't yeah. get
0: the gain. Another thing that just doesn't get the recognition it deserves because she is just, dom- she is just dominating. and been dominating for a long, long time. And uh, did, did much people know about this? Probably not.
1: No, she doesn't get the um, yeah the credit applaudits. And the, the applaudits that that she deserves and uh, she needs she I'm,
0: needs to get her own uh, she needs to get her own moment uh, Dylan Alcott moment uh, I feel on the uh... on the tennis court during a Grand Slam final I think or, some, or something um, just to recognise her achievements because they are I truly think extraordinary.
1: Yeah, well the Dutch are doing quite well because uh, Schroeder won the uh, quad wheelchair singles final as well in straight sets and a couple of junior results as well. We had. Uh, Jan Richkova winning the girls' singles and uh, Sakamoto winning the boys' singles. So mm. uh, two names to perhaps look out for in, in a couple of years' time. And to learn uh, how to say, they... I
2: don't I don't want to take them on.
1: Try and transition over onto the adult tour. Yeah, I, uh, Jan Richkova, I, I may be not saying correctly, so apologies. Um... Listeners
0: correct us if we're wrong. Oh, uh, I know. Chris, Chris, I also want to say, Beleli won the Australian Open men's doubles 2015, I'll have you know. So he has got a Grand Slam men's Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Well,
2: I would like to issue a formal apology <laughs> to Bileli. Um yes. I believe that maybe he transitioned to doubles a bit later than that. So <laughs> um I should take nothing from him there. And I'm glad that he has won one because I was feeling a bit bad for him in that final.
1: And we do have to touch upon the fact that we don't have a collector set result to give as we typically would in the finals episode of a Grand Slam because I know. that happened earlier than usual. All of the picks lost before the fourth round so um Lynn Lynn has won well done Lynn um the prizes will be on its way to you and uh the slam spoon of shame we had given it to you Chris because I think yes. you did the worst on collector set but mm. Yannick Sinner you know you but were the Spitalina, only one who predicted. that was
2: that was unfortunate I would say so that's in my defense but I did predict the Djokovic upset I'm the only person who predicted mm. one of it's the winners tough. So it's really tough I think I'm out because I did best in our predictions joel did best at collector set so kim i'm looking at you the slam screen uh, of shame get, make your case I,
1: well i predicted chin when Zheng to get to the semi so i knew she was going to have a breakout okay. tournament okay. she actually exceeded uh the do we prediction. need to put it to a vote so... i think let's put it to a vote <laughs>
2: on the social channels um listeners we will put it up and you can say normally Decide when we do us. a vote. I always lose. I always get the spoon. I'm pretty sure at the end of the day. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But um, I, John, I'm surprised you haven't brought up that as soon as uh, Sinner won, I posted, love it when the predictions come together. And I posted my predictions with like a, I a happy saw dancer at the bottom, Oh, oh which nice. I did not do when Coco won the US Open for you. That was just for me. <laughs> yeah, we're having I'm still words waiting, later. We're having words uh, still later. still
1: waiting. For Sam Sonova to win Wimbledon. That was my oh, prediction and then you from a could few have years multiple ago. <laughs> stories wait- we'll be waiting a long
0: time for that, Kim. I'll tell you that right now. Uh,
1: We're well, talking of spoons. I think this is now time for the Vegemite taste test. Because I've got Ooh, my yes. spoon Have you had it ready. before you
0: two?
2: No.
1: I've had Marmite, but not Vegemite. Right. Well, um, I'm,
2: as someone, I, mean, I genuinely do have hot Vegemite. I had that throughout to lubricate the throat during this podcast to make sure that I'm speaking with velvety tones. Um so you're gonna you're gonna have it plain, but you do it a la Morgan Riddle, just a yep, spoonful. Um, How big a so spoon are we just... doing?
1: Taylor Fritz's girlfriend was testing Vegemite, and I've got and my, my teaspoon. Why
2: spoon. we're doing this? And Kim's Kim's spoon is
0: massive.
1: No, it is a teaspoon. It's just the camera angle. I think yeah. oh, oh. Like you look. I'm already.
0: I'm smelling it for the first time now. I'm not looking forward to this
1: already.
2: Do you want some tasting notes to accompany it? It's got a strong, salty, sort of meaty, rich flavour. I'll be um, the judge of that.
1: Umami? Is it it's umami? Kind of,
2: an intense tamari or soy sauce sort it's of type quite, of flavour. It's quite hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's not the same consistency of marmite or bovril. Um, I like
1: the design of the jar. I think it's classic. It's a bit like um, a, a
2: sign, isn't it? In um in the outback that yeah. I've seen. But yes. right. Right. Enough talking. We've got to try it. And please no one vomit oh, in a bit. No vomiting oh, in a bit.
0: I'm a bit nervous. Okay, right. Three, two, one. That
2: is delicious. Lovely. I'm gonna go back for more.
1: Oh, oh no! That oh is no. Awful.
2: Really? Isn't
1: it? It's quite salty.
2: It is very salty. Yes.
1: Oh, how can you drink this as a hot drink, Chris?
2: Um, I used to actually also drink like vegetable stock sometimes as like a
0: like a light soup. <laughs> that is honestly one of the worst things oh. I've ever tasted. Are you joking? Oh no. That is, drink- it's very salty, oh. isn't it, Kit? It is, but you don't normally
2: just have a spoon of it. You do spread it on something. So this is a bit of an, it's out of situ. But I wouldn't say that, Joel, no. because I'm... Morgan, I'm with you. Morgan, I'm going to get sponsored awful. by... Oh, so, I'm trying to get them as a sponsor. <laughs> so everyone hold it up and smile. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful uh, veggie, Mike. Thank you so much. Um, please don't <laughs> I'll listen to the... stick to Nutella, yes. it's fine. <laughs> yes, it, it I'm just going to have my toast plain. It does have a bit of an aftertaste, doesn't it? It's still oh. sitting, it just sits with you. Well... We did survive we that. You won't be go. having a hot vegemite with me, Kim, anytime soon. Kim is not okay.
1: Oh no! I need to go and have some like sugary sweet. thing to balance yeah. it out now. Yeah. Well, I'm oh. sorry
2: that you had to do that, but I'm. Um, I'm glad I'm we just... did it, though. I'm glad can, we did that yeah. as
0: a group, and uh, and, and I can had, expense like, it. <laughs> I can yeah. expense something I already like, Joel, to the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Well, we've we're gonna end. We're going to end our Australian Open coverage there with our Vegemite taste test listeners. I hope you enjoyed our coverage and our social media content. We've really enjoyed producing these episodes. We've uh, we've really enjoyed also the engagement, the interactions we've seen um, across all of our channels. So a big thank you to everyone um, who has listened. But we are going to end it there. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed one final time. I hope you have enjoyed our latest episode of the Tennis Weekly podcast at the Australian Open 2024. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the actions still to come as we go back onto the ATP and WTA tours. I think we've we've already got
1: what? Linz is happening. Wahin. Uh, Montpellier. Andy Murray. Montpellier. Yes, yeah. indeed. So it's all, all back going On, on. on tour. I hope that Veggie Might Taste will have gone by the time we do our next podcast because <laughs> it's just lingering right now. Uh, but we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. So if you like what you're hearing, then do make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you like what you've heard from us over the last few weeks with our Australian Open coverage, do go and give a, a quick review because it does make all the difference to helping others find our, our work.
2: And you can also follow us on social media. I'm pretty sure we're going to be clipping that Vegemite piece. So if you'd like to see that, we will be sharing that on social media, whether you two like it or not. Um, So do make sure that you check out our social channels or email the show. You can tell us how much you did not like Vegemite yourself, but we're on Facebook, Instagram, X, TikTok, and YouTube. And the handle for all of those is Tennis Weekly Pod. You can also purchase the delightful Tennis Weekly merch that Joel has behind him. Um, there's a green tote bag, the cap, and there's also a pink tote bag. And that's at etsy.com slash shop slash tennisweeklypodcast. You can email us at tennisweeklypod at gmail.com or check out our website, tennisweekly.co.uk.
0: And we will be back next time at Tennis Weekly HQ. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.